Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Golden Knights. Today, Ben Fisher from the Hockey Writers joins us. How you doing, Tony? <laughs> Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. I am at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G on Twitter as well. And you can also find us at Lockdown VGK on YouTube. Thanks to Chris. And make sure that you subscribe and Lockdown VGK on Twitter as well. You can find us just about everywhere. And thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And our podcast is free and available wherever you do get your podcast. Ben Fisher from the Hockey Writers, who covers the VGK, joins us. It's been a couple of years uh, there, Ben. Haven't spoken with you, but we appreciate you joining us today. Been that long? Wow, yeah. I guess, well, uh, good to be back, Tony. Thanks for having me. Uh, All right. Yeah, and I want to start off by getting your impression of the Vegas Golden Knights and the offseason. Let's talk the offseason first and some of the moves, your thoughts as well on the new coach, Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the, our offseason certainly uh, started off on the right foot. I think uh, Cassidy was the right guy. It was a little surprising to see him come available from Boston, but uh, not sure what's going on there. But um, I think that for a, for a club that still wants to sort of uh, keep moving forward and continue to contend, then uh, a disciplined, defensive-minded coach with a whole lot of playoff experience, I think uh, that was certainly the right way to go. And uh, I've, I've seen from development camp and uh, from some of, uh, some of his early interactions with some of the players that he's already instilling – new defensive system and uh, he certainly got a structure in mind that he wants. And so uh, not that, <laughs> not that you can evaluate anything in August, but uh, it certainly looks like an, encur- uh, an encouraging start. Excuse me. Um, you mentioned the, de- the defensive system and Pacioretty very famously uh, did that recent podcast with the raw knuckles, I believe. And Pacioretty was very high on, where the team was defensively as far as positioning and such goes. What differences specifically from the defensive system do you think we might see? Uh, it's a great question, Chris. Um, I, I just look at the, the Bruins blue line from uh, the last few years. And um, I know, I mean, obviously different personnel, but uh, when you look at, say, Charlie McAvoy, and uh, even a Grizelchuk, and they, they've got, uh, they had, I, I feel like it was a lot of, uh, a little less hesitancy to come up in the rush and to uh, sort of have more of an attacking mindset. I mean, they still had some stabilizing forces where there was certainly uh, a defensive approach to it, and there was almost a, a smothering vibe at times. Um, but even over Cassidy's years, as that changed, that seemed to be, uh, a bit of con- a bit of a consistent uh, quality across uh, a number of those seasons, and so I look at a guy like Shea, and uh, I mean, for as much as he's 
certainly uh, improved over the last few years. I think there's still uh, some room to grow and I think some uh, consistency maybe for a little bit more risk, especially with a lot of uh, defensively accountable and responsible guys that are around him. So I think that should be interesting to watch. Our guest is Ben Fisher from the Hockey Writers. He covers the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a reunion of sorts between myself and him, and I'm bringing Chris into this nonsense, of course, as usual. And, uh, Ben, I wanted to ask you uh, about the VGK power play. And under Cassidy, do you feel that it might be improved? We went back a couple of weeks ago, and we looked up a lot of numbers, and Boston's power play wasn't much better than VGK's. And, in fact, they had like an 0 for 40-ish slump, and then uh, they were not very good in the playoffs. Might have cost them in the playoffs, uh, especially against Carolina. But uh, wh- what are your thoughts about uh, the VGK power play moving forward? Yeah, um, I mean that, that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be a big question heading into the season, and something obviously we won't know for a while. But uh, I I'm, I'm a little concerned. Um, I do think I mean. Part of that's part of that's on what uh, Bruce might implement, uh, but a big part of that, and I know I know we'll get to it, but a big part of that is just what we've lost over the summer. And I mean, for an offense that was middling, I think we we were around twelfth, thirteenth in the league in terms of goals scored, and uh, to lose out on about what is it about about thirty nine goals in uh, Pacioretty and Dadanov with uh, not a real clear obvious replacement to that then, I mean, I think it's, I, I think there's a, a system to be established on the power play, but I think personnel is also going to be a big question mark. And uh, I guess, um, I mean, I guess we'll see what Cassidy has up his sleeve, but uh, that's going to be certainly something interesting to watch. Do you think with Pacioretty and Dodonov's departure, you know, you're talking 50-ish or so goals, depending on what type of seasons they have, do you feel there's like one or two players that will take take over that scoring or will it be spread out? Could this be where someone like Braswan or, you know, Mannion even for that matter, just kind of explode on the scene and have big seasons? Or will it be spread out through five or six players or are we completely doomed? <laughs> oh, completely doomed. Definitely. I think. Yeah. All right, I'm going to shut the show off. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> No, and uh, you uh, you really hit on it right there with, I mean, Vegas is in a position with uh, a few guys that hopefully are NHL ready. And, uh, I mean, Brisson's a guy that I'm really going to be watching closely in training no camp. Um, because not only can he potentially fill a role uh, on, the big, on the main roster, but uh, we're looking at a guy that might have, that has some top six potential here. And uh, with, Certainly on the on Vegas, there's uh, room for him to grow into a role like that. Uh, but uh, as I think there's going to be sort of improvement, incremental improvement across the board. I mean, we saw what uh, what Nicholas Waugh did last year to make a jump up to 15 goals, and uh, there's been that. I think a lot of that production is going to have to be uh, sort of going to be addressed in-house and uh, I think there's going to be a, a change in roles and change in mindset that's needed across really uh, all four forward lines and we'll see what that means. I mean, if a full season with the healthy Eichel is also going to help things. So uh, it'll be interesting to see 
um, how Cassidy can mix up the lineup and try to maximize scoring on uh, on all four lines if possible, but certainly in the top six. And uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of intriguing things to look at in terms of uh, what Vegas is going to do. No doubt. Ben Fisher from the Hockey Writers is our guest. And uh, what did you make of Max Pacioretty's comments about accountability or lack thereof with the Vegas Golden Knights this past week? Uh, that was quite the uh, the draw, the parting shot there. I mean, I the no accountability thing confused me a little bit. And uh, maybe, I mean, maybe it's something we're not in the room. We don't see it. We don't feel it. But uh, I just think this is a, this is a franchise that's accustomed to success from day one. And so right from that first season, you established this expectation of like, forget the, I mean, forget the new thing, forget the, uh, the growing pain process. This is a playoff. This is a Stanley cup contender. And I, I mean, from the outside, it certainly seems like that pressure has been there all the way along and for better or for worse, I think it's informed a lot of the, uh, the front office moves that we've seen. And uh, I think that win now has been the status quo over the last five years. And so to hear him say, there's no accountability. I mean, we saw, we saw that accountability with Pete DeBoer, who's uh, had a pretty consistent track record and suddenly, I mean, one down season and he, it just wasn't good enough. So I, Maybe I'm missing something there. I, I didn't quite understand what he was getting at. But. Well, you know, Chris is a season ticket holder, and he doesn't care. He's on the Kool-Aid still. He doesn't care if they win or lose. So there's no accountability, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I get what you're saying, Tony, and I certainly understand that. <laughs> and, you know, just from the fan perspective, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to see the team compete. I want to see things change a little bit from last season. And, there's concerns. So I guess I'm kind of leading to the next question from where Tony was on the accountability side and something me and Tony discussed. It was, it was your Mondays or Wednesdays show. I can't remember, but how do you feel Ben about how is Bill Foley? Does Bill Foley even, first of all, care about those comments that Patch already made in your opinion? And if he does care, how do you feel he acts on that? Like, does he sit down McCrimmon and then like, Hey, you know, we can't have this happening this season. You got to get on the coach. Or do you think that's uh, you know, he just letting patch ready kind of take a shot and in one ear out the other. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, he certainly heard the comments and uh, I, I do think whether he's willing to admit it or not, I do think that they probably sting a little bit and there's probably a bit of a, bit of recoil or uh, a bit of a reaction to that uh, how much he's going to respond to them. I, it's, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that's something that he certainly would have preferred to hear in private when uh, Pacioretty was a part of the team <laughs> and one of the, the veteran leaders here. But um, no, I, I think that, I think that Foley and I think that uh, McCrimmon and Glant, I think, it's a group that is pretty assured in what they're doing. And I mean, if they, if they were going to be that sensitive to criticism, then I hate to say it, but the the last couple of off seasons, they, I feel like. uh, They don't care. It's fair. They don't care. Just say it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, they, they want to win. They've got their vision in mind. And uh, 
they're continuing to execute it. And for the time being, I, I think that uh, we'll, we'll see how this season goes, but I, I think you can sort of look at last season and, uh, and sort of shrug it off on account of injuries, like obviously the injury luck and uh, recognize that this is still a talented enough roster to make some noise in the playoffs and just move forward. Whether that's what's going to happen or not, I guess remains to be seen. Yeah, coming up next, uh, we will talk to Ben about uh, Max Pacioretty, who takes his spot on the top line. We'll return with more after this. You're listening to Locked On Vegas Golden Knights. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor. Are you ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough. That's right, cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it once again. Let us introduce you to our new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs, and they are really good. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. I think I might have said that already, but all of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it is very healthy for you. And myself and Chris, we devour our Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. 160 calories, a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff covered in 100% real chocolate. I said that five times. And that means that they are healthy and tasty. Chocolate covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So, so good. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. And whether you need it as a, sta- a snack for your workout, a late night treat, just grab it for a quick bite, whatever. Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, the fat, the sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Our guest today on the show, Ben Fisher from the Hockey Writers. And Ben, you wrote an interesting article this past week. Uh, First of all, where can uh, the fans find you? Oh, uh, thank you, Tony. Yeah, so um, thehockeywriters.com. There's uh, a whole small army of us that are uh, covering our our various teams across the league. And uh, I'm obviously the, uh, the the Vegas insider, the Vegas expert on there. Uh, but um, not just me. There, there's a whole lot of great content on there. So I certainly recommend checking it out. And uh, regardless of who you cheer for. Are you on Twitter yet, bro? <laughs> you know what, Tony? I'll be honest. I, I, uh, part of my gig is running, uh, the, uh, social for, uh, various firms and, uh, different agencies and all that. Uh, after I'm done with all of that, I <laughs> don't have the energy for it. So I know I'm, I'm the one guy. I'm the one holdout, I guess. That's, uh... All right. Let's get to this patch ready story. The article you wrote, uh, with his departure, a void on the top line. Uh, who do you feel replaces him? Um, well, uh, you know, if you read that one, I, I, I gave a couple of different options. And uh, the the one guy that I really think is going to get a long look there, I, I mentioned him earlier, but uh, Nicholas Watt. Now, of course, he needs to sign first. Right now, he's currently uh, an unsigned restricted free agent, of course. But um, I do think that... 
uh, he really showed management something last year with his jump and still 25 years old, uh, huge improvement when given a bigger opportunity. And um, I, I think that uh, he's one of the first guys that you look to to flank Eichel on the wing there. Um, as far as the lines in general go, I've seen a lot of chatter about Stevenson. My son's wandering in here. Say hi, Chris. Um, I, I've seen a lot of chatter about Stevenson going back on the wing. And he had so much success between uh, limited, obviously, with all the injuries, of course, but with Stone and Pacioretty. I think McCrimmon actually made the comments that statistically that was one of the top forward lines in the NHL. So, do you feel Stevenson should stay as a line two center, obviously knocking William Carlson down to line three, or is Stevenson possibly the way, and this is not the way I, I like Nick Wah up there. That, that was Nick Wah is my first choice to, to go on that top line, I think. Um, but I also think March so should be with him on that line, but back to um, my question, um, do you feel that Stevenson should get a back to the wing or should he be, you know, like a line two center, so to speak? Uh, I mean, I think that uh, we don't we don't know uh, what Cassidy has in mind yet, but I do think that even last year with DeBoer and uh, just the the front office in general, I think that Stevenson's versatility is really valuable, and yeah. uh, I think they're gonna. I mean, I think that Vegas is gonna continue to look for players like that. They've sort of shown a trend towards being able to mix and match. And uh, I mean, as we saw last year, <laughs> there, it was almost, uh, it was, it was almost like the NBA turning with positionless basketball where you really had these. Uh, Defensemen playing forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, so uh, especially in times like last year where you didn't know who was, go- who was going to be available to you on a given night, then the ability to, play people not just up and down the lineup, but uh, switch them from the middle to the wing, I think is hugely valuable. And I, I realize I'm not answering your question here. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think Stevenson's value was obviously at its highest in the middle, but I mean, that was obviously somewhat swayed by the fact that like you're, <laughs> you're going to look pretty good when you're <laughs> playing in between stone and Pacioretty. And, yeah. and so I don't know how much they boosted him up versus how much of uh, his own ability was in there, but uh, I don't think, I I don't think he necessarily showed one way or the other that he needs to be uh, written in pen in any one position. I think that, uh, I think that you'll see a whole lot of movement from him. And I think that's where some of his value comes in. Hey Ben, I wanted to ask you about Sakari Mananen. Um, interesting and intriguing player from Finland, played in the KHL. I think, but he scored the winning goal in the Olympics for the gold medal. And I, I wanted to see how how is he going to fit in with his VGK team? We don't know much about him other than the Olympics. How do you think he'll fit in? Yeah, I mean, it's that's one of the one of the big questions. I, I, I haven't written it yet, but I'm certainly going to get to uh, our biggest questions heading into camp and. Uh, that's right up there because um, I mean, it's from a from a cap management standpoint, from a business standpoint, to be able to try to find these diamonds in the rough over in uh, Europe and in the K, it's uh, 
it's a huge potential, uh, like a potential treasure trove of assets uh, if they can make the transition, but not a lot of guys can. And um, so I, th- I think that uh, Vegas, I think that his, I think that Manonin's heady two-way play, I think they value greatly. And uh, again, we, we just talked about versatility and he was a guy that uh, if you look at him both on the Finnish national team and in the KHL, he played up and down the lineup. He was on checking lines at certain points and uh, he was all five foot seven checking line. (laughs) Maybe that won't transition over quite as well. (laughs) Unlike, uh, and unlike William Carlson, you know, because he's from Finland, he can finish. Yeah. Um, So back, I guess kind of sticking with the, the Russian vibe here. um, Pavel Dorofiev. There's obviously a longer list, obviously, of VGKs that have tried to make the the transition from KHL to NHL, specifically here in Las Vegas. Obviously, we can go back to, uh, you know, our first VGK to retire, Shipachev and everything. Um, what do you think McCrimmon and McPhee specifically see out of the KHL? Because they're, they seem like they're, they're using your word, they're mining, if you will, for, for players out there. And we don't really have one yet that has really, popped at the NHL level yet do you think this is something they're going to just keep on doing is the the KHL you know the next feeder league besides the AHL what is um what is McCrimmon's and McPhee's um obsession if you will with the KHL yeah um oh sorry I think I think I said Gerard Gallant a little while ago I meant McPhee I apologize anyway uh you said that one in there because yeah our sensors didn't pick that up you're okay (laughs) anyway I'll just say um so uh, the the Russian question it's it's interesting. I mean, they're they're certainly not the only organization to have fallen into this and to have grown enamored with the uh, Russian enigma, so to speak. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, e- even if you even if you hit on ten percent, twenty percent of these guys, you're signing potentially entry level contracts for um, players that can come over here get used to the North American system, work their way up the development curve. And I mean, again, Henderson's only been around for a couple of years now. So I think that, uh, I think Vegas has only really had the capabilities of fostering full blown in-house development for what the last two, three seasons. Um, and so I, I think there is some appeal in the, low risk, high reward potential of bringing a few of these guys over, especially if there's uh, a significant skill ceiling there. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there, there haven't been uh, any hits to date, but uh, the, the cap situation is going to continue to be a challenge. And so I think there's certainly room for a guy like that for uh, Dorofiev. Uh, well, I mean, a man and he's, from uh, Finland, but someone like that to burst onto the scene and to take a key role. So uh, as long as the the risk isn't significant, I can see them continuing to roll the dice and certainly scouting over there and uh, looking at that as a potential source of a uh, prospect source. Do you see uh, VGK? Again, our guest is Ben Fisher from the Hockey Writers. Do you see VGK uh, with no issues uh, re-signing Wah? Nick Wah, Nick Haig, and then uh, Keegan Colasar, his arbitration hearings coming up pretty soon. But again, true to form, they're two for two VGK uh, with uh, Schmidt and with uh, William Carlson in the past. 
and that they've avoided arbitration and settled in advance, do you think that that could happen? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks. I mean, about six point five million in cap space, six point four, six point five, something like that, uh, and three guys that are significant pieces. Not only are they young, but they're expected to have key roles within the lineup this year. And uh, so, I mean, you mentioned uh, Colasar, and I think August tenth, uh, I think that's about a week from now that he's got his. Uh, are appearing. I, I yeah, it, it they haven't uh, the the fran- the organization hasn't had one yet, but I also don't get the sense that he's their top priority right now with with no disrespect to what he puts forward. I mean, just had his first full season with us and uh seven goals and some physicality wasn't too bad, but uh I think he's a guy that probably falls in somewhere in that 1 1.5 million range. And uh, my line is 1.15 that that's where they're going to settle 1.15. Okay. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> I think that would be pretty reasonable given what he brings to the table. But um, I, I think it's the other two guys that are really going to be uh, more of a challenge. Now, apparently was further along in contract negotiations or so I've seen reports. Uh, but um, you look at uh, Ottawa just signed Matthew Joseph uh, four years. And I think just under, 12 million. And he was, when you look at the comparables, uh, similar numbers last year, same age, same, uh, same draft, the same round of the same draft actually as, uh, as Nicholas was. So there's certainly parallels to be made there and he's getting about just under 3 million. So that's probably a pretty reasonable uh, ballpark figure for him. Uh, I mean, it's possible they could give him extra years and hopefully cut down on the, uh, annual average value, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. And then I, I think Nicholas Haig is uh, the is the biggest question mark here. I think that, I mean, if his camp's probably looking at his value and saying, yeah, you guys had me in the top four at times last year, that he's 23 years old, not arbitration eligible. So obviously, I mean, you guys, you guys know his, uh, <laughs> his uh, strengths there. I mean, six foot six frame, big, powerful <laughs> He should be a part of uh, part of our blue line for hopefully the next uh, number of years, and so I think that's going to be potentially a tougher negotiation. And uh, we we all remember what was it four or five years ago, Shea Theodore going through this exact same thing. So uh, they might might be in for a, a tough uh, tough one trying to get him. It might be down to the wire trying to get him uh, here for training camp, but we'll see. It's been a very wild, even starting with the draft and free agency and all the trades that have been made. It's just been complete mayhem, for lack of a better term. It's, it's as long as I've been just enjoying hockey, I won't say covering hockey, just enjoying hockey. This has just been the wildest offseason that I can recall. So what do you think comes around the trade deadline um, with just all the moving pieces there could be? And how aggressive will VGK be given their limited cap space? We don't know what injuries might pop up or something like that, but ultimately where I'm going is if we, you know, if a Mark Stone or someone of high value does suffer an injury, possibly leading up to the playoffs again, do you see VGK doing a huge deadline splash at like a, like a Patty Kane or Jonathan Taves type move as a rental? Would VGK take a shot like that if uh, they needed to, do you think? (laughs) Well, 
McCrimmon hasn't been known for conservatism, so I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I think they are, I mean, they've pretty much announced that they're firmly in win now mode, and uh, even though, I mean, yeah, you had to, yeah, you, you had to manage the cap and you had to uh, make some concessions this summer, but this is still a team that's clearly not ready for a rebuild, and so if that means that come trade deadline time this year that they're right there in the thick of things, but uh, just need another piece or two to hopefully give them that extra push. Then uh, yeah, I think, I I think uh, ownership certainly has given the green light for that. I think that uh, I think they're prepared for that. And you look at, I mean, if, if there are, there are contracts that you could certainly still, potentially move around and create some space. I mean, there's been some speculation on William Carlson, which not that he'd be an easy guy to lose, but uh, quite frankly, the the remaining years on that contract look a bit, <laughs> a bit hazy right now. Um, I mean, he's still, he's still a key piece. He's still uh, right there in the middle of our second line, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where things are at. And uh, I mean, there, there are certainly a means to make things happen. They also have the prospect pool to potentially entice someone when uh, entice other teams when uh, when push comes to shove. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting. Coming up next, uh, we're going to ask Ben about VGK, whether or not they will add another piece, another free agent to the fold. We'll have more after this. You are listening and watching Locked On Vegas Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Collick today, our guest from the hockey writers, Ben Fisher, with some great insight into the VGK because he covers them for the hockey writers. And uh, I just want to get in a quick little plug here. Chris, you were out at the uh, Battle for Vegas softball game, Raiders against the VGK. Well, you can relive or live for the first time the experience because we have a special package television show on NBC Channel 3 this Saturday. From 7.30 to 8 o'clock. And then Sunday uh, from 6.30 to 7 on the CW, you can watch and relive all those highlights, including Chris drinking a beer and eating a hot dog. Everything from the skydivers to the flyover to William Carlson's first hat trick with the three home runs. First hat trick since 2018. So bad. So bad. And uh, let's get back to Ben here. We don't have much time left. But uh, Ben, we, uh, we know that VGK between... Uh, the Donoff, Pacioretty, you said they got $12 million off the books. Will they add another piece before the start of the season via free agency? And who might that be? Well, uh, Tony, I, I just wrote a piece about this very topic. and uh, I mean, That's where I, I got this idea from. Uh, we we steal stuff around here. Yeah, we're pretty good. Well, thank you. Have at it. Um, yeah, I mean, well, uh, it remains to be seen what's left of uh, – that tiny little pool of cap space that they have after uh, after we ink our own guys, but there there just might be enough in there. And uh, one of the names that I brought up in my article was a potential reunion with Paul Stasny. I like that one. I re- I like that. Doesn't one he a lot. still have a house here, Chris? Doesn't he still live here? In the yeah, right next, right right next door to me, right next door. What's up? He's watering his grass right now. Vivo, <laughs> get him. Anyway, I, I didn't know that. So there you go. I, uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. Don't yes. let me. Um, 
But uh, no, I, I just think, I mean, obviously he's not the player of old, but uh, at a at a reduced cap hit, uh, a guy that knows the players. He doesn't necessarily know the system because, uh, again, we've got Cassidy coming in, but uh, certainly knows a lot of the guys and uh, knows the expectations here. And uh, still, as again, we, we I mean, we valued uh, his leadership the first time around. And uh, especially incorporating a couple more young pieces into the lineup, I think he could have a tremendous effect and uh, be at a <laughs> at a bargain bin price. He could be exceptionally valuable. So uh, I, I also mentioned Kadri in there. So I went for a couple a uh, pipe dream uh, a pipe dream scenario. Tiny new toys, yeah. <laughs> it's. Right. It, it's all fair and, you know, expect the unexpected is certainly a good way to look at it. Maybe a topic jumping a little bit here, but um, whether forward or defense, what VGK do you think stands the most upside or change or growth under Cassidy that they may not have experienced under going all the way back to Gallant or most recently DeBoer, obviously? Oh, interesting. Um, well, one name that... Uh, we haven't mentioned here today that we probably should is uh Kaden Korjak because he came off he looked like uh he looked like a bat out of hell during excuse me during uh development camp and i mean he's he's the type of guy that based on Cassidy's track record he would absolutely love just someone that can uh sort of someone that has that plays with an edge and uh has certainly an aggressive approach to him. So uh, I was watching, uh, I was watching some video of uh, the camp and I mean, you, you noticed him out there and I think he's going to get every opportunity to uh, have a spot on this roster. And I think he could easily quite quickly become uh, a coach's favorite. Well, we see uh, Ben in our closing minutes here. Uh, do you think that we'll see a move at the goalie position? Uh, Laurent Brassois and Robin Leonard, uh, both expected to start uh, this season on the injured list. And uh, Brassois, I don't know, we feel as though he's expendable. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, uh, it it could be uh, it could be Logan Thompson's time uh, very soon here. And uh, don't I tweet think- at him, Chris. Don't you dare. Don't don't tweet at Logan Thompson again that he's going to get traded because he got mad and tweeted back at you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just when you think no one's watching your twitter feed right <laughs> um he but, hasn't tweeted uh, since then that's the funniest thing but sorry keep going <laughs> didn't shut down his twitter account over that one uh it's literally his last uh, tweet i looked it up a while back uh that's the mic I, drop I mean, moment yeah i i think this is an area where the team's a little bit handcuffed quite frankly um I think there's the possibility. Uh, I mean, especially if if injuries crop up or if some or if there's some found uh, cap space there, then there are a couple of. Uh, I, I admittedly haven't done a deep dive through, but there are a couple of goalies that, with NHL experience, that are still available that can be potential uh, stopgap solutions. But I, I think right now this is who they're moving forward with and uh, hoping for hoping for the best in health, both physical and mental for Laner. And uh, I, I mean, the thing to remember is that it was, 
it was a bit of a rough season across the board last year, but um, we get so focused on cap numbers that Lehner and Brossois are both bona fide NHL goalies. And I think they, uh, I, not just that, but I, I think that as a tandem, they probably are right around the league average, if not a little bit above it. And so I think that if they can both be healthy and on their game, then, um, then we do have something in net that we can rely on, especially with the back end that we have uh, to hopefully minimize chances. And that uh, I, I, I don't think we necessarily need to break anything up just yet. Well, May eleventh was the tweet. Team. May eleventh was the tweet. He he's had four tweets since then. Just so you know, so I'm I, I'm in I'm in uh I'm in his he head. dropped the mic. Yeah, there you I'm go. In his head. To the donkey, up, the donkey meme. Hey Ben Fisher, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you could find, of course, content at Hockey Writer for the Hockey Writers. It's at the Hockey Writer, I should say, on Twitter, and uh, we'll catch up with you again in uh, let's say a couple of years. <laughs> thanks I'm everyone. Book me and in. Thanks. Now. <laughs> we'll hope, hopefully we'll catch up sooner. And thanks again, my man, Chris Golick. I'm Tony Cardasco and Ben Fisher, our guest. We'll see you again Monday right here on Lockdown.